Linux out loud is firing up our mics, connecting those headphones as we search the community for themes to expound upon. We keep the banter friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. This week, we're spouting off about our hardware budget and how do we calculate it. Let's get into episode 66. Linux Out Loud is brought to you by Linode and Bitwarden. With me today is the wandering and traveling Nate, and the one who is struggling to get any gaming in, Matt. How are you two? Well, Matt's at least struggling, regardless. Always struggling. <laughs> I'm always struggling, especially when you guys start talking about 3D printing. Then, you know, I'm struggling to stay awake. Yeah, 3D printing, robotics, all of that stuff. He basically rides a struggle bus. In fairness, I'm a little more engaged on the robotics. That's only because you think about Mech Warrior, and so you can kind of relate it that way. Well, ironically, that was a game recommendation not that long ago. I know. See how <laughs> I was uh, doing a call back there, you know, trying to give you a little credit where credit's not due. <laughs> where credit's not due. Nate's doing something positive <laughs> in our interaction here. Where's Nate, yes. and what have you done with him? Uh, he's super tired right now. He's really having to dig deep just to, uh, you know, do these things right now. So uh, that's where he is. To be fair, the last few episodes, he has given you compliments grudgingly. Something along the lines of, I hate to admit it, but you're right about that. Or I hate to admit it, but that's a good suggestion. Well, you know, sometimes you got to give the devil his due. Well, see, Nate's view on me is (laughs) kind of like his view on Apple. A waste of time? No, you're not that bad. <laughs> no, but you got to give the devil its due. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Even you give Apple the devil its due. Yeah. Something that's not the devil is Southeast Linux Fest. And not only did you get to go, but the family got to join you. How was it? Well, it's still going on. Today was like the first day of it. Some people gathered last night ahead of time. I drove through the night to get here. So I had a work commitment earlier this week. I got home from traveling, pretty much spun right around and got my kids ready. And we drove through the night to get to Charlotte, North Carolina. So we arrived at about 8.30 this morning. I have not slept yet and I've had loads of fun regardless. The talks are good that I've gone to, of course. One of them on MQTT, basically using it and manipulating it and stuff like that, I thought was really cool. The kids, they brought their laptops. Uh, My daughter brought her Callisto 2, the 3D printed computer that we built uh, last December, brought that with us. And uh, she was playing, you know, games, whatever on that. A lot of people thought it was absolutely fantastic. And some people told me, oh, I used to work on terminals like that back in the late 70s or whatever it was. It was very, very fun. I also brought my Commodore 64 imposter build. I thought I'd bring that here just to have fun with it. I was going to do some gaming on that just because it's obnoxious. And uh, people also got a big kick out of that as well. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like, um, it's a very low key, very nerdy atmosphere. It's really fun to talk to people and interact with those that listen to you you know, like on this podcast or others, and who uh, you get to see like another non-digital side of them. And it's just truly a lot of fun. I'm glad the trip has been a ton of fun. This is your second year getting to go to self. Yes. Is there any difference between this year and last year? I mean, yeah, there's, you have some different exhibitors here. System 76 didn't show up this year, but I mean, it could be for any number of reasons why. There's some other exhibitors I haven't seen before. One being... Rocky Linux. I haven't seen them anywhere before, but they have like a huge group of people here from Rocky Linux. I thought that was pretty cool. And, you know, a lot of some other commercial vendors as well. 
Also, you know, I'm wearing a open Sousa shirt. And so immediately you interact kind of in a playful, bantery way, talking about distributions, but also saying, you know, the positives of how really they, the distributions actually help each other out a lot more than they are really competing. I mean, they are competing, but they help each other out with tools all the time. So it was one of those really neat things to talk about with Linux or concerning Linux. Yes, there's competition, but it's more like a friendly rivalry as opposed to cutthroat, try and take the other guy out sort of um, competition, I guess. Linux is such a neat area because it, it's the, the, commer- the way the commercial and hobby and the maker space, the play that comes along with technology, just the way they all merge together is actually something to really remark on. So Nate, the all important question, because you mentioned about gaming, did you bring the Steam Deck? Oh, I sure did. Why would <laughs> I not bring that? Because you brought your Commodore 64 imposter. So I brought a bin of all kinds of just stuff just because, and you know, Steam Deck's <laughs> part of it. Although I didn't actually use the Steam Deck because staring at a screen right now really hurts my eyes. And so I'm not really interested in doing a whole lot outside of just interacting with people right now. <laughs> Which means later the kids will be using it the entire time too. So you probably won't see it the entire time. Either. Yeah, no, it's not really mine anymore, I think. I think that's now the kids' Steam Deck and I'll have to buy a new one for me. Which then will become another one of the kids. Pretty much, yeah. It's a lose-lose, <laughs> I think, on my part. It's kind of how parenting works with some things like that, doesn't it, Wendy? Yeah, pretty much. We even got the kids new tablets. What was it? This winter, this fall, something like that. And I made sure that I got a pen for my daughter's new tablet. And they still, still my tablet. I'm constantly like, guys, where did my tablet go? I need it because I use it every day for something. Well, the one good thing is at least, you know, someday when you leave things behind, uh, they'll take those too. So everything is going to become theirs anyway. Very true. As <laughs> <laughs> if that's good news. I don't even know how that applies. Well, Matt, it looks like you are doing some more game testing. So I didn't know you had time to actually do anything with games lately. Well, technically you'd generically be right because I really, really know. <laughs> I had a few hours to test some games because there was recently an update to the Atari OS for the actual VCS. Oh. Download the updates and all that stuff for the actual Atari OS portion because I dual boot with Chimera OS. It doesn't have some of the weird idiosyncrasies that um, Hollow ISO does or the off-kilter Steam OS recovery image thing that people use. So yeah, I've been testing a few games just to see kind of more of what the VCS can do. I'd done a live stream for a couple hours showing kind of some of the games that it could do, but I wanted to deep dive a little more into it. So I was aiming for, you know, it's a 720p machine at best. I mean, if you're doing like gaming stuff related anyway, 3D games, not necessarily the Atari integrated stuff that comes with it. I was aiming for 720p with a stable 30, depending on the game with a mix of graphic settings, just kind of seeing where, where and what it can do. So I had a few hours today to test out a few games and Persona 5 Royal, which is probably the newest game that I tried, was a solid 30 with the shadows turned down. Resident Evil Revelations 1 and 2. Revelations 1 was a solid 60 max settings. It's just an upscaled Nintendo 3DS game, essentially. And then Revelations 2 was high settings. I was getting 30, 40-ish. Then I tried Tomb Raider Underworld, which is one of the older ones before the 2013 reboot of the series. And I was getting about 50 or 60. That one's a little weird because of... I honestly don't know. I think it's because it catered more to a 360 and it was it was very console specific, I think, in its development. So it's a little weird on how it utilizes stuff, at least from what I've seen performance wise, especially on Linux. Windows, it's still a little weird with like controllers and stuff, but that's more of a Windows thing. 
And then I had uh, DMC Devil May Cry, which was probably the most graphically intense game, I guess you could say. But I was running at max settings with 55 to 60 frames, and that was with like HD textures and max shadows and all that stuff that would normally tank a GPU. So I was pleasantly surprised by how this actually ran because it's a Vega 3. So I don't exactly have like super high expectations on this. Yeah. But at a $200 price point, at least what I bought it for anyway. Well, I actually bought it cheaper, but between upgrades and everything else at, you know, a little over $200, not a bad little system to have. Not going to lie. So, Nate, you might want to get to upgrading your Atari VCS because uh, seeing some of the results for what I was getting with these games, you might actually get Steam Deck back from your kids for once. Uh, Well, that's a big maybe there, good buddy. You know, really, I was thinking anything more than 480p, you know, is really gravy when it comes to gaming, the games I play. But we're not talking about the games you play. We're talking about <laughs> I know. the games your kids play. <laughs> you know, if, if it could do Cooking Simulator and like the Lego Star Wars games decently well, I think then it would offset a lot of pressure on the Steam Deck. Well, so, so it happens. I do have some of the Lego games for Steam. Oh, and? I have not tested them because I've been trying, I've been doing a bunch of other game testing with that different levels and stuff. So I will give those a try on the VCS to see what the uh, results are for that for you. I have nearly all the Lego games, nearly all. Chances are, if you try it, I probably have it. I was just informed that I don't have Lego Marvel superheroes, so I don't have that one. You're slacking. <laughs> You're slacking, Dad. You're slacking. Yeah, I'm sure they're disappointed with me on that. So while I'm working on things that I've, well, I haven't built, but worked on, et cetera, to see what I can actually get out of them for performance and whatnot. Wendy, you're actually working on something at the house. What is that? Yes, I am. So this week was our very first robotics session for the summer. And we kind of talked about some of the changes that are coming down that we've gotten from First Idaho. And I let the kids just run with some different robot designs. So right now, we're a pretty small team. We've only had five of our previous team say for sure that they're coming back next year. One aged out and we're still waiting on two team members to say yay or nay on whether they're coming back this next year. And so where there's only five kids at the moment, I had them break up into two groups. So there was a group of three and a group of two and was like, okay, these are the things that worked last year. And then, you know, walked through them. They pointed out the things that didn't work last year. And what can we do to change that? Because the goal, if you remember from the last time I talked about it, is for them to have decided on a robot design by the beginning of August. So when we get the new game pieces and all of that stuff, then go right to work in designing their attachments and then get to coding way, way sooner this year. And of course, I need to play with this too. So I brought some of my Lego hubs, motors and sensors and all of that stuff, but I left one of them home so that I could do my own playing and testing and stuff. This next week, I will take the robot build that I made. And this one's a little bit different than what I've done in the past, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I was trying to make sure the wheels were a little bit more centered on this one, but the biggest goals were A, wanted to be able to get a lot of use out of the sensors. And so I do still have a color sensor on here. We haven't used it as much for color sensor as we've used it for 
how much light is being reflected back into the sensor for line fellow and that kind of thing. We struggled with that on our last robot. And some of that was due to the fact that the wheels were towards the back. It was a rear wheel drive robot with a whole lot of weight right up front. That was definitely one of the things we needed to change. And then they talked about wanting to use a four sensor as kind of a backup stop. So if they're going to back up to a wall to like readjust, re-straighten out, something like that, using a force sensor to help with that. And we also talked about potentially using one of the ultrasonic sensors. Now the hubs only have six ports. So you need to decide whether you're using three sensors and one attachment motor or two attachment motors and two sensors. Obviously we have two of those motors of the six ports that are for driving and steering and all of that good stuff. So on the build that I have right now, I just couldn't figure out a really good place that I liked that ultrasonic sensor to be. This robot is pretty low to the ground, a little bit wider than I've typically built. But the thing that I love about this, and I'll probably go ahead and drop some pictures on it on the discourse forms, is that like some of the other robot designs I've seen, you have access to the gear on the top and or the bottom of this attachment motor and gives you lots of different options. So there are several different frames that you can use. On this robot, you can take and make two separate attachments that are built into the exact same frame and have it as a drop-in attachment. If you would like to see how that works, you can visit the Building Beast website. I can also link that down below because we have some pictures of our previous drop-in attachments for the last season's robot. Or you could have two of the medium-sized frames that you've built an attachment into and just be able to drop those in on either one of the motors. I think of all of the designs I've built in the past that I've played with, this one has the most flexibility when it comes to attachments. And because we don't actively have those game pieces yet, it's hard to know what those attachments are going to need to do, what they need to gather, where they're going to need to move stuff. And so flexibility in attachments is kind of key. The kids were doing some really cool stuff this last week. The team that was just two were working on a robot that has a track. And if that's something the team decides to do, we need to get a different track. Because the only track we have right now is that more solid plastic track instead of the rubber track. And while it might be great for around the house or a non-motorized build, something like that would slip too easy on our mat. So if that's something that they decide to do, which I don't necessarily think is a bad idea, then we'd have to go ahead and get some other parts. The team of three, they had a robot mostly together and then they retoured apart, which I can't say anything with that. I've probably, in designing the one I currently have right now and put some code on, I probably tore the thing apart probably 30, 40 times before I finally settled on, hey, this is all the things that I want in a way that actually looks good, is usable. In their tearing down rebuilding, they actually took the base from the previous robot and are now building on that one. So we'll end up seeing what they come up with, but it is robot design time and I definitely have my hand in building one at home, part of the reason why we have extra robots for home. I would love it if I could get my hand on an old set. There is a website that does sell sets from the previous year 
So it's $100 for an old FLL set, but then they charge $89 in shipping, which is absolutely outrageous. Of course. I know. Might be cheaper to drive there and pick it up. Exactly. <laughs> like, no kidding. Especially when I know shipping for that thing in general is way cheaper than that. So we'll see. Trying to get my hands on an old game mat because having a robot at home is fun, but it's more fun if you have something to work with in order to make it do missions. I do have the team's mat from the first year that we worked together, the Cargo Connect mat. We might just find some ways in order to make some different quote unquote game pieces that we can stick on that previous mat and do some things so we can play with this robot design at home and some other things where we are in a new building that we don't have to share other than with that fellow FTC team. We've got a little bit more access. Um, I wish the build room was closer because it's about an hour away from me, which is a total bummer because if I get an itch like, oh, I really want to go try this out and see how it works on this mat, I kind of can't just do it. But it's still easier to do than the last place where we had to have a scheduled time in order to get into the build room and do stuff together. Having fun with Roblox again, getting really, really excited for the next season, and I'm kind of interested to see what the kids come up with, what they think of the robot design that I've built. And hopefully we can have that all done by August. Well, I thought everything was about an hour away from you. Not everything, but because my car doesn't get the best gas mileage on the freeway, it does way, way better on the back roads, then it does take me a lot longer to get to places. And the build room is actually quite a bit further away than the last co-op space. So right now it wasn't too bad. We actually made it in pretty good time on Tuesday this week. But once we have more farm traffic on some of those roads and the like, uh, it could be a little bit longer than an hour to get there. Well, I think it's good that you have a, a more dedicated space that you don't have to schedule a time. But yeah, it does kind of put a little bit of a hitch in your step when it comes to that distance. There's a little encumbering, but I still think it's a positive overall though. Yes, without a doubt. So you said you have like five IO on the Lego um, controller board? There's six on the hub. Okay, six on the hub. Yep. So that's input and output. It's going to be a motor to move it or an input from a sensor. You get six and that's it. Yep. So that really forces then the kids to be very creative about how they implement solutions. Yeah, you really have to choose exactly what you're doing. And of course, you know, there are rules inside of first that limits the amount of motors you have. It's not like you can throw two hubs on there and one hub do one thing and another hub do another as part of your programming. Yeah, you can't do it that way. You have to stick with your one hub and the ports that are available to you. So that is the thing. Which sensors do you choose to use and why? How many attachment motors do you have? One of the things that I loved about the Australian team that we worked with on the Encore game was they had a turntable in theirs. And I think that would be really cool to have one of those built in. So you'd sacrifice an attachment motor in order to have a turntable in it. But that attachment motor could be a little bit more versatile because of how you can then use your attachment. You drive forward to whatever it is, and then you can turn your robot to adjust how that attachment is approaching whatever it is. So you can just drive straight. You're sitting next to it. You're turning the robot. Instead of using the drive wheels, you're using the turntable inside of it to flip 
turn, gather, whatever it is you're doing, and then continue on your way. So there's so many different options. And I know myself, it can be really, really easy to get stuck in a rut and essentially be building the same thing over and over and over again. So my goal with this build is not to show the kids exactly what they need to do, but kind of awaken some of those options. You have options. Just because your robot has looked like this in the past does not mean it needs to stay looking like that. You don't need to exactly stay with that form factor. Yeah, do you want to keep a robot that has a low zone of gravity that's a little bit smaller width-wise so it can get in and around those different missions? Absolutely. But there's still some flexibility in there. And that's where showing up with my own robot and even giving them videos to watch on other robots and the way other people have done that. So it opens up those thinkings. Oh, yes, this is the way I've done it. But there are other avenues out there Let's dive into some of them. Yeah, that's really cool. And I think the idea of limiting the number of I.O. is really good for spurring on creativity because I think limiting solutions, yes, limiting your budget, I guess, is actually a net benefit for creative problem solving. Without a doubt. Visit linode.com slash tux and see why over a million developers trust Linode for their infrastructure. From their award-winning support to ease of use and setup, it is clear why developers and businesses have been trusting Linode for their projects, both big and small, since 2003. Don't worry if you're just getting started. That 24-hour, 7 days a week, 365 days a year support is offered to every level of user. They also offer industry best price to performance value for all compute instances, including shared, dedicated, high memory, and GPUs. Linode makes cloud computing simple, affordable, and accessible, allowing you to focus on your customers, not your infrastructure. Visit linode.com tux, create a free account, and you'll get a $100 credit. Say you're in a hurry, don't worry about it. You can build everything yourself or use the Linode one-click apps to deploy everything from Plesk, WordPress, to Valheim, and Minecraft servers. Make sure you visit Linode slash Tux to get started for free and snag that $100 credit while you're at it. Our robot is not the only thing we need to budget for in terms of what motors and sensors configurations are we going to have. We also have to budget for the new tech in our lives. And it's kind of interesting to hear from other people. How did they figure out what that budget is? Obviously, if we had an endless supply of money, then some of those budgeting ideals open up to us. But how do you determine what you're going to spend on a single piece of tech? Both of you have bought some new things lately, and so you can also kind of talk about how you figured out why you were going to buy them and if it's been worth it for the price that you've paid for them. Matt, you seem to be the one that actually has your hands on that latest device. How'd your problem solving go with that? <laughs> Depending on the device that you're talking about, whether it's the new laptop, the VCS, as you would say, I changed more hardware more probably than Ryan does, but I would debate that. <laughs> For me, it's really just about as bad as it normally sounds and as cliche as it sounds, it, it's literally bang for buck for me. Like I will generically come up with a budget what I'm comfortable with spending and I will look for the closest option that will get me to what I'm looking for. 
but at a price that doesn't make me want to like gag. As an example would be the current Gigabyte Arrow that I have. I was not going to spend $2,200 on a machine that is just insane to me for a laptop. But something that's $1,200 near the spec I wanted because I wanted a 3080, but I got a 3070 instead. It's a gen behind on the processor, but the RAM's upgradable. I can add an extra SSD. So all that stuff is really all about compromise because really when you, when you sit on the bang for buck mentality, it, it really is a lot of compromise sometimes. Sometimes it is financial, specific, like rigorously financial, like this is all I have. And sometimes that budget's really hard to work with, not going to lie. Uh, there was a reason I had a i7 second gen for as long as I did as an editing machine because, well, budget was tight. <laughs> So it really uh, depends on what you're looking for. The VCS, as an example, I've actually gotten more out of that than I thought I would. I had pretty low expectations of like, oh, this is going to be just like a retro thing. And oh, cool, it'll go back in a box and I won't use it. And well, here I am using it. So there's that. It really depends, honestly, on what your budget is. For me, it's bang for buck mentality. And I'm always looking for something that I understand that having a fixed budget essentially is going to mean there's a certain level of compromise but with that compromise it's got to be something that i'm willing to like if there's upgradability that i can do later down the line from a cost perspective then i'll do that so if instead of me getting 32 gigs of ram or 64 gigs i'll go with 16 and upgrade later and that kind of stuff i have kind of a similar approach but i go from the what is it that i cannot do with my current hardware what is my problem and then I try and walk back a solution from whatever that problem might be. I put a, a deposit down on the framework laptop, and it's not necessarily because my Elite Book is awful or anything like that. The Elite Book is a great laptop, but there's just some things about it that are kind of annoying me about it. It's actually already nearing the end of its warranty. And also, I, I kind of want to leave it in a more stationary setup. Like I have a place I'd like to put it and keep it there as opposed to moving it all the time. It's still powerful enough to do the things that I need it to do. But the reason for the framework laptop is. I kind of don't want to buy more machines like going forward or all this disparate hardware. I don't like throwing things away. The framework opens up the ability for me to reutilize bits of hardware in other applications that would do just as well. Or actually would fit the build better than, than other bits of hardware out there. I'm always sort of like buying into an ecosystem of some really good ideas. I'm not confident that the framework will be the best laptop I've ever owned in the respect that it's energy efficiency and so forth. The fact that any of the quirks that exist with it are being worked on, I can still replace parts rather trivially. For me, it's what is the problem I'm trying to solve? And the problem that I'm trying to solve right now is I need something that is more modular. I don't want another thing that's going to sit on a shelf when I'm done using it until I can figure out a use for it or I end up dumping it. I want something that's going to have multiple uses if the primary use you know, is no longer there. I want to have a secondary use for, for that thing. The other thing too is like I'm looking at buying some larger hard drives for my server. I've used almost all of the 5.5 terabytes of storage that's at a RAID 10 array because you know I buy movies I, I bought the Transformers Prime series I don't know if you're familiar with that but it's, it's pretty good and I can't finish putting it on there because there's not enough space and so I'm a little irritated wasn't that the one that was on uh, Netflix if I remember correctly it was and I think only one season yeah they kind of crammed Beast Wars and everything else yep. all into one I think that's my daughter's favorite version of the show in cartoon so not only have We've seen it in this house, but we've seen it multiple times. I think it's my favorite incarnation as well. 
know, people say, you know, the Gen 1 Transformers are the best. And I've actually rewatched them. The plot is basically a 20 minute long commercial for new toys. Yes. But the Transformers Prime series, I think is actually well written. I think the voice acting is great. Of course, Peter Collins in it. Optimus Prime. Yeah. Primal, depending on how you are. The actor that plays Ratchet <laughs> also played in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, a couple of characters. I really like that actor and how he portrays Ratchet. It's a more colorful character. It's not a flat character and things like that. Anyway, so the point is I need to upgrade my server as we, you know, try and keep things here on topic, right? My server <laughs> needs some upgrades. Do I need to upgrade the CPU in it? No. I mean, even though it's an AM3 like AMD CPU, is it operating well within its constraints that I put on it? I should say the loads I put on it. Yeah. The hardest thing it has to do is rip a DVD I buy or Blu-ray or whatever. It's not really working that hard. I have no need to upgrade that. So until that reaches a point where I can't do things with it, I'm not going to spend the money making any major investments on that. And another factor too is like, how long do I expect to use a piece of technology? That's probably a bigger determining factor as to how much I'm willing to spend. If it's something I want to keep in use for a long period of time, I'm willing to spend more money. If it's something that I'm just using to kind of fill in the gap for a period of time, I'm not willing to spend nearly as much money on that. That all makes a whole lot of sense to me. And I think the three of us are largely in the same boat when it comes to choosing how we buy our hardware. I know there's a lot of things, especially being a hardware addict that you come out and you're like, oh my gosh, it looks so cool. But price to performance, does it make sense to buy this thing? Does it make sense to upgrade? And I really believe that there is so much tech out there that is quote unquote old, but extremely useful. The kitchen system is a fourth generation, sixth generation in the kids' gaming system. Is that the top of the line i7 that you can really customize? It can take more RAM? No, it can only handle two sticks. But for what the kids need, it is doing just fine. It's doing incredibly well. And there was no need to go ahead and spend a lot of money on that tech. Instead of upgrading a CPU or changing, buying a new CPU other than the one we already had, we were able to spend those build dollars on things that made more sense, like a case, like having two SSDs. So there's one to boot from and one for the games to be downloaded on. Being able to upgrade the motherboard itself instead of using the one that was in that original pre-built so it did have a little bit more functionality to it. Like you, I look at my hardware as in, okay, I'm going to get this thing. Do I have the option to upgrade it? If I don't have the option to upgrade it, if what I'm buying it for, it no longer works for, is there something else that I can transition it to? Even after all of that, I'll spend tons and tons of time doing research. Magneto can tell everybody this is the way it is. It takes me a long time to finally be like, yep, I'm buying it. I've got to think about it for a really, really long time before I go ahead and hit buy. I like my hardware. I just don't want to run out and blow the rest of the budget on it. You know, everybody still needs to eat. So does this piece of hardware make sense? Is it useful? Is it going to be useful for a long time? Can I upgrade it? And even what is the resale value going to be? That does make a difference too. Is this something that I can use and plan to sell and turn around and upgrade it? When it comes to phones, 
that has been something that we've done in the past. I'm going to buy this phone. I'm going to use it for this length of time. I can sell it for around X amount of dollars and put that towards the next device that's being purchased. That also kind of falls in line with another thing made me think, how much time am I going to invest in this piece of technology? Is the time investment in it going to be worth it? Because money is one factor, time is another. There are more times than I'd like to admit where I thought purchasing this piece of hardware, it'll be a quick implementation and then I can utilize it. Mm. When I try to implement it and then it doesn't work the way I expected, it kind of does the job I expected, but not fully. And I have to like dork around with it. I bought some sensors that didn't work like I expected and I didn't just buy a couple to test them out. Right. I was convinced it was going to work and I'm still sort of kicking myself in the rear for that today. So I'm a little bit hesitant to spend money on something if I'm not completely sure. And those times when I'm confident after a short bit of research are those times that it really bites me in the tuchus. Yeah, I'd have to say that my 3D printer has been definitely a time suck when it comes to hardware. But that's a piece of hardware that I'm okay with it being a time suck. It's kind of a toy and I'm using it for learning for me, for the kids. I was a little hesitant as we discussed in choosing another silent board just because I've had so many issues. And those issues could be me and not the board themselves. But yeah, I definitely get what you're saying is... Is this piece of hardware actually going to be beneficial for getting day-to-day stuff running? Or is it going to be another frustration point because now I've got it and it's not working the way I want to? My personality is I get hyper-focused when things don't work and I keep digging into it, tearing into it, get more frustrated, lose sleep over it. I know I'm one of those personalities. And thankfully, my husband will be like, okay, it's time to step away, go do something else, and then come back to it later. Yeah, I'm very much in the same boat as you do as far as like the tech has to fit a purpose as well. Budget is obviously important. Like that's kind of the whole point, but or bang for buck as well. But realistically, it's like, I'm not going to buy tech that does not have a, purpose or a reason for me getting it now it can be a very esoteric reason or very like very me reason (laughs) or you know justification like i'm pretty sure we all have pieces of tech we're like did i really need that i know nate has plenty of that with his (laughs) old stuff yes and those are also time sucks and they're still sucking time and i haven't necessarily made enough headwind on it and i don't (laughs) want to talk about that but like realistically the point is we all have those things where it's like eh I don't need it, but uh, it's nice to have it or whatnot. You want it. So sometimes there are those things where we just like, give me and we go that route. But generically, overall, commonly speaking, we seem to all kind of be in the same mentality of like things have to have a purpose. Things have to generically bang for buck and all that stuff. And I think that's really important because only you can determine what your budget is or what you're comfortable spending and all that stuff. I always have a problem when I see people basically going for broke on tech, spending well outside their means and stuff. Like, like that's your personal yeah. choice. Don't complain about it if you make the personal choice to do that. Because to me, that is, well, quite frankly, insane to do. For me, like I said, I would I have bought that gigabyte machine normally? Heck no. A, I'm not a 4K guy because I think 1080 is fine generically on portable machines and battery life. 
but I took the compromise, again, compromise on that for the more powerful mm-hmm. hardware and all that stuff. People who spend that kind of cash, I think sometimes when we, as hardware people, we get too hyper-focused on spec, 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 spec. And like the specs aren't always the only thing. What does this machine bring? What does this piece of yeah. hardware bring, et cetera? I think that's really the question we need to ask more often along with budget. You don't necessarily need the top of the line machine going one step down can save you like three, $400. And the performance difference is not four or $500 worth of performance loss. That's nothing too. I'm very reluctant to get the absolute best because I'm not the absolute best kind of guy. I mean, you can look at a lot of my life decisions and, and see that I very much am uh, not <laughs> making the best decisions. Wait, I went in the wrong space with that. Make sure you let us know what you consider when you're buying new tech. Is it always the newest, the latest, and the greatest? Or do you dive into some of those older but fantastic pieces of hardware? Can't wait to hear from you. We've had some amazing comments lately on the Tux Digital Forum. So join into that conversation because it's been a blast. This episode of Linux Out Loud is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager, as well as additional authentication, such as master passwords and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com tux to get started for free. Make the smart move like many from the community and have a go at bitwarden.com tux to get started for free. If you're like me, though, you'll want to show your appreciation by signing up for the Premium Edition, especially since the Premium Edition starts at only $10 a year. And for that $10 Premium account, you'll get things like 1 gigabyte encrypted file storage, 2-step login with YubiKey, U2F and Duo, Vault Health Reports, and so much more. Also, you'll get priority customer support. Huh? Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Linux Out Loud. Last time we got a chance to talk to you in this section of the show, Nate, you were having some issues with the solar battery backup. Was that able to get fixed or do you have some other battery backup stuff that you're working with right now? So I'm still waiting for the professional to come by and fix the solar battery backup. Boo. Boo, indeed. Apparently, Generac doesn't want me poking my nose in the system and determining what the problem is. So fine, I want my 10-year warranty, so I'll wait. But other UPSs that I'm working with as per part of my job, there was an incident where power was lost. The UPSs didn't actually behave quite as expected because the battery had aged and the automatic checks that determines whether or not they pass or not were actually passing. So they weren't replaced. Something that I'm implementing is a mm. UPS battery check schedules. We're actually checking like when things were implemented, doing some things on, on how we manage EIT and using something called Snipe IT, which we've talked about before on here, to basically keep track of when batteries were installed because these batteries had aged and, and so forth. And we're, we're at an age where they couldn't sustain the load for as long as needed. There were actually other consequences and physical damage done to hardware. Yeah, I'm eyeball deep in battery technology or batteries for UPSs. And one crazy thing that we have is this 
backup battery system for the entire server room that's kind of the size of a refrigerator and not a small one either. Surprisingly, it's only going to keep the server room running for another hour after power's lost, but it only held it for about 30 minutes. And then the UPS is after that pretty much lost power very rapidly. So anyway, this is something kind of exciting that I'm getting to play with. It's hardware that I don't actually have to personally spend money on, but I'm really excited to get my hands on and actually sort of understand how all this works and get it going the way it should be as per what's needed for the facility. So I'm kind of a battery nerd. So this is just right up my alley. And it's one of those things as you play with and figure out, you can bring that into cubicle labs and your house as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Understanding how these batteries work, different battery technologies and so forth. Now, this is a little bit more, I don't want to say old school, but more common technology. So it's, you know, like APC and Siemens and stuff like that. Not necessarily in my price range, but it it does help me to understand how these things are used, how they're bypassed if necessary and so forth. It's a lot of neat electronic circuitry and so forth. Seems like work has been a whole lot of fun for you. I hope it continues to be. Yeah, I'm really lucky in this regard, really fortunate anyway, that the nature of the work is way more interesting than I anticipated. It's neat to see the things I get to learn and to find solutions and, and so forth with what I have in front of me. You know, being able to refine things is, is actually really a lot of fun. The people before me did a really good job of setting everything up. It's just taking the torch and continuing to run with it or the baton if we're doing a relay race, you know, until I pass it off to the next guy. I to make sure that I make things better with my time here. Instead of stories like we've heard from poor Bill, where he's coming to a school and they've set them up with the Gentoo in a school system and everything goes to heck in a handbasket, the wolf got grandma, yeah, all of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's kind of the opposite <laughs> of that. So he's got some excitement in different ways, for sure. The negative excitement, for sure. <laughs> How do I figure this one out? How do we get through this one? <laughs> Poor Bill. Uh-huh. Poor Bill. But uh, not poor Matt. What is this that you're recommending an application? Did you have some head trauma that you're not recommending a game? <laughs> no, Nay, I did not have some head trauma. We're shifting games here over to <laughs> kind of this a time. section of the show here. Kind of give some applications, games, hardware, etc. Kind of recommendations overall. So this particular application, though, is one that has been mentioned before about we would kind of like to be able to have that suspend resume kind of functionality that like modern consoles have on the desktop. Well, there is an application that allows us to do that. It's called Nirna. It is literally a GUI app that will suspend applications and you can resume them. You can select one to do that. You can say you're rendering a video because video encoding is interesting thing on Linux. If you need all your CPU, well, guess what? Fire up this application. You can stop that mid process and then resume it later if you need all that cpu usage again nice little application like that totally open source the one caveat the one caveat is that it only works on x11 they are looking at using wayland obviously because that's just the way people want to go there's a lot of interesting stuff with this i think having that kind of suspend resume functionality for applications on the desktop is really cool to see because that's one of the things I like about being able to, on a console especially, flip if you've got multiple games up or whatever. That ability to kind of jump between things. Multitask kind of, but not really. That system utilization is nice to have that level of control on the desktop because you can change what you're doing. You know, if you want to do a, say you're rendering a video, but it's like, man, I really want to play a game. So you can pause that and go and jump into a game. 
it's just stuff like that that I think is really, really cool. The only other caveat is obviously there's going to be the RAM utilization that the suspended app is going to be using. Do keep that in mind, but it seems to be a fairly stable app from what I've seen. It does work on Linux and Windows, but no Mac. So what you're saying is that unless you have a lot of RAM, you don't want to go suspending, say, a game or a render or something like that. And then open up 20, 30 tabs in a browser. Yeah, probably not the best thing uh, (laughs) for utilization of resources. Resources? Probably not not the best idea. Having had to deal with Windows 11 specifically recently, I would say this looks like a great application for me to use. Definitely. While I'm still waiting to be able to nuke and pave Windows to oblivion. I was actually thinking as you're saying this. One fun way to test this out would be to do just as you recommend not doing, suspending a game or something, and then jumping into something else and utilizing a lot of your RAM to force things to be pushed into swap, whatever you paused, see if that will be pushed into swap, and then see how well it will resume after that, just to see what would happen. It could be interesting. I mean, it might be or might not be interesting at all. Nate wants to crash your system. I want you to crash your system, and I want you to be sad about it. (laughs) This was actually brought up on Linux Saloon a few weeks ago as an application to try out. So it's cool that you brought this up and and puts more um, credence on and taking the time to test this one out. While I'm changing things up and making application recommendations and just being different to throw Nate off, Wendy, you kind of threw everybody off and you were doing a lot of different things, but you were recently a guest on a podcast, not ours, Turncoat. It's not <laughs> even on the network. Can you believe it? But it is really cool and I absolutely love the concept of this podcast. Jean is a listener of the show. Shout out to you, you awesome listeners out there. And he has a podcast called The Volunteer Technologist. So this podcast is really focusing on people outside of their day-to-day jobs volunteering in all kinds of different ways. And when he first asked if I would be on his show, it was when we were preparing for Worlds. And of course, when he asked, it was, hey, after Worlds, would you be willing to do this? So it's now what, just over a month, almost a month and a half since world's life has somewhat got back to normal around here. And today, the same day that we are recording this show, I got to be a guest on Volunteer Technologists. And of course, we talked about robotics and the robotics teams and all the awesome stuff that FIRST does in its different robotics programs. You can check out that episode, but it won't be released until the beginning of July. When it actually drops, I will make sure that you guys get a link and can listen all about it if you want to there. He's also in need of more people to interview. So if you're helping out in all kinds of awesome ways with technology, you can get a hold of Gene. I will put the website to his podcast in the show description. And he has a link to contact him from there. So maybe it's not you. Maybe there's somebody else you know that would be a fantastic guest on this podcast that is an amazing tech volunteer. And you can spread the word about some of the awesome things that people are doing. Yeah, it must have been really refreshing to talk about your passion in robotics without having one of the hosts fall asleep on you. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, because Gene definitely was not falling asleep on me. He was very engaged in the conversation, and he got to learn a few new things about FIRST and some of the robotics programs they have for much younger kids. I talk about it all the time here, so it was kind of nice to have a different place <laughs> in order to talk about the awesomeness of robotics. So I think some of it is stuff that all of you guys have heard before and what I've talked about, but there's some other episodes that you can listen to, even if it's not mine. So Nate, mm-hmm. why do you continuously fall asleep when she talks about robotics? Oh, we know it's not <laughs> me, Matthew. <laughs> We all have our things where we don't pay attention. Uh, Yeah, that would have been a lot of the topic last week, the main topic last week. Anytime you get into (laughs) Steam Deck stuff. Yeah, I totally am open to the fact that I'm like, "Mm, tune out. I'll jump back in when you guys are done. We are fairly... obvious about what our interests are and what our interests aren't. That is part of the reason why there are three of us on this show and it's not just two. It makes for a better show and makes for better conversations and of course the banter between you two. Is it banter or is it at this point just continuously bickering yeah you two are a little bit like an old married couple for sure kind of reminds me of like just after thanksgiving dinner before you open up desserts that's kind of like what it's like the family conversation when everybody's too full and grumpy because they ate too much yeah question the life choices (laughs) you know who you remind me of you remind me of the uncle from Christmas Vacation. That's the level we have. The guy with the RV? With the RV. Yeah, yeah. what's his name? Eddie. Yes. I thought it was Cousin Eddie. <laughs> that doesn't matter. Cousin Eddie. Yeah. Yep, it's Cousin Eddie. That's our relationship in this is the Clark and Eddie relationship from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Matt, are you saying you're Clark? No, I'm not that stuck up. That would be more Nate because Nate, you know, kids and family and all that stuff. Nate can't be both Clark and Cousin Eddie. No, no. I'm saying the relationship him and I have is that. Okay. okay. He's Clark. Nate's Clark and you're Cousin Eddie. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. I I do more Christmas lights than Matt does. Oh, definitely. For sure. We've already been over the fact that when it comes to Christmas, I'm all bah humbug anyway, so it's fine. Well... Yeah, we got to work on that. And Nate blinds his neighbors with his Christmas display. Bingo! Hopefully next year a little bit more. Get some spotlights. (laughs) would be great. Now it's your turn to toss in your two cents on today's topics. Hit the discourse form, drop us a line under this video, or contact form by visiting tuxdigital.com slash contact. If you'd like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, see the links in the bottom of the show description. Find other great shows like Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, Linux Saloon, and so much more at TuxDigital.com. Show off your love for your favorite podcasts and shows by visiting the Tux Digital merch store. Grab yourself some awesome swag like the gamer-centric I paused my game to be here, though I'm wondering if that should be a sinister mat instead But you can always join Team Wendy with some sinister Wendy swag, though I think that should be angel swag. Mm. As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another awesome soda of Linux Out Loud. Until then, keep the banter friendly, conversation somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it.